Palm Sunday, I'm going to read a story to you, the story that you know from the Gospel of Luke. But I also remind you that on our journey from dust to downpour, we are going to explore that scripture about Jesus and the woman at the well and consider what it was Jesus was asking her to do when she said, draw some water for me. Uh, Has anybody here ever drawn water from a well? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I suspect um, what we learn about Palm Sunday and Holy Week is that uh, we're here to give praise and honor and glory for the work that Jesus did for us and for the world uh, concentrated in this Holy Week, this Passion Week that began like this. After Jesus had said these things, he was going up to Jerusalem, and when he had come near Bethage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples ahead and said, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter the village, you will find a colt that is there being ridden, has never been ridden. Untie the colt and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found just as Jesus had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying my colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their coats on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, the people kept spreading their coats on the road. And as he was now approaching down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with loud voices for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, Teacher, order your disciples to be quiet. And Jesus said, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would cry out. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I wish you all would be quiet on Palm Sunday. You're making an awful lot of racket, ringing these bells, playing this music, singing these songs. It's like you're celebrating some great thing. And indeed we are. On Palm Sunday, you are the post-resurrection church. You know what is about to happen. You know what God has done for you and for this world. You know the work required in accomplishing what Jesus has done for us in this holy week. But it seems to me that the people who came out of Jerusalem that uh, day to greet Jesus, um, they really didn't know. Uh, One thing we we suspect about these people, they were not the rich people, they were not the powerful people, they were not the popular people. These people who came out from Jerusalem were probably the people who had heard that Jesus was a healer that Jesus was a teacher. There were probably quite a few people in that crowd who maybe had been near Jesus or knew somebody who had been healed by Jesus or heard a story of somebody Jesus had touched or had called into ministry or had 
cured of some disease or maybe I heard that someone had a demon cast out of them or, or maybe themselves had been restored by touching the hem of Jesus' garment. Maybe there was somebody there who had been feeling outcast and lonely and, and alone and somehow had felt a part of something as they came close to Jesus or met his disciples. I suspect and I hope that, the, that, that, that I imagine that these people who came out are people who in some way had a story about how Jesus had affected their lives. And they wanted to come out and they wanted to show their appreciation and they put a carpet down, which was unheard of. Um, I'm wondering, many of you may have a story about how Jesus touched your life about how maybe you'd been healed or delivered or included or had demons cast out of you. Some way that you can say how the grace of God touched your life. Um, you see, because the evidence is there in the people coming out that Jesus rode into the town and they came out and they spread a carpet because he'd done something for them. And they appreciated it. So on this Palm Sunday, we, we tell this story about an appreciative people for someone who changed their lives. But what I want to, to turn your attention to from this crowd of people who came out because maybe Jesus had done something for them or in their lives to the fact that Jesus was there not only to do something for them individually, but there's a cosmic salvation going on here. Jesus was heading into that city to do something. He, uh, he wanted the people to help him out. He told his disciples, he said, now I'm going to go into the city. I want you to steal a colt for me. And if somebody asks you why you're doing, just say, I need it. And I've always wondered, why, why did Jesus need a colt? Why did Jesus need anything? Well, I suspect because he knew he was about to do something unprecedented. And it would require the involvement of those who follow him. What Jesus did is going to require our involvement, whether it's at um, Stop Hunger Now on Saturday or it's not Stop Hunger, Rise Against Hunger, the work that we do in the world, but it's also the work that Jesus does in our hearts and in the world, all of creation. I'd like for you to consider on this Palm Sunday that the work of Jesus Christ is not only an individual work for you, Although we all, I pray, have stories about what God's grace has done for us, how we've been changed. But on this Palm Sunday, as we enter the week we call Holy, the Passion Week, we're actually going to be looking at the thing that Jesus did for the world, what Scripture says, for all of creation. Something changed when the salvation of God entered the world incarnate in Jesus Christ. The whole world. Not just the people who know the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed and can sing the songs in church. But I'm, I'm talking about all folks in the, in the Tom Tom Festival yesterday. There's a bunch of people over there yesterday. I got a big kick as I'd written this sermon about being appreciative for what God has done in Jesus Christ for the whole world. They're all over there walking under purple tents. You know, purple is the, right? It's, they don't even know that they're participating in Lent and Palm Sunday and Easter. 
This Sunday isn't about an awareness of what it is God has done for us in Jesus Christ and how we respond to it by wearing purple, whether we know it or not, or walking under purple tents at the Tom Tom Festival. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, most of the people were, were probably pretty much focused on how it affected them. The disciples were concerned, well, how am I going to get this colt if it doesn't belong to us? And what if the guy, if the guy says, uh, why are you stealing my colt? And, uh, and, and they were worried about the logistics of this. We get worried about logistics in the church all the time. Uh, the disciples were probably wondering, well, what's going to happen once we go into Jerusalem? Because we're kind of out here in the country, but in the city, we're kind of under the city rules. It's going to be a little, little tough. They were, they were worried about logistics. The crowd were saying, we want to do something. What can we do? Oh, we'll take our coats off. We'll put palm branches down. We're going to praise God for what God has done in Jesus. And, of course, the Pharisees are worried about who's going to clean up the mess, right? Keep your people quiet. The Romans are standing back saying, this is going to be fun. Watch this. Something's going to happen. But let's for a minute consider this thing that is about to happen is not just about you, us. It is something God is doing for the whole world. You see, because we're looking on this side of the resurrection, but at that time, we want to scream out to the people coming out, it isn't just about how you have a personal story about Jesus. Jesus is doing something that's going to affect us 2,000 years later, generations and generations later. We're still talking about what Jesus has done for us. Do you realize the magnitude of this? Do you realize the universality of what God has done in Jesus Christ? Jesus has come to redeem the world. All of it. All creation. Let's see. What's that like? Oh. It's like water. <laughs> right? Everything is about water. This, this uh, from dust to downpour. Uh, last Tuesday night, I was at a city planning commission meeting, and we were talking about the city water and sewer. <clears throat> Anybody on city water or sewer? Come on, admit it. Nobody's on city water and sewer. I am. I'm appreciative of it. But most people don't really think about what all goes in to turning on your tap when water comes out. And it's clean and refreshing and brings you life and vitality. Um, it, it would have been great for the whole town to have been in. There's only about 12 people there talking about what has just happened to turn the tap on and have clean water come out. Um, I'm a person who's lived on a well most of my life. And now, if you're, raise your hand if you're on well water, okay? Now, well water, that, that's a, you pay attention to your well. If anything goes wrong with your well, it's a big deal. The whole house shuts down. You need to pull the pump out. You've got to make sure it's filtered. You know, if it smells bad, you've got to take the smell out. There's a lot goes on if you're on a well water. You, you know it because you have to take care of it. Palm Sunday... I, for, for this Palm Sunday, I want you to, to maybe not be like well water people. We're very much aware of it. But realize that there's a whole world of people out there who don't have their own wells. They rely on the municipal water that comes out. They rely on, on the work that happens for their sake. And the truth of it is most of us aren't appreciative of it. We don't give glory, Lord, and honor every time we flush a toilet. But by golly, you should. It's amazing 
what goes on for that to happen. Sometimes behind the scenes, sometimes we take it for, for granted. The salvation of God in Jesus Christ is about making our individual lives right and vital and clean and pure, but it is also about what God had done in Jesus Christ for the whole world. It's a municipal salvation. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went out with one of the environmentalists in this town to the reservoirs of Charlottesville. You know you have not one but two reservoirs. You are a multiply blessed people. Can, can we show this video? I want to make you aware of what happens when you go get a drink of water in the water fountain of this church. Hi, my name is Tony Russell. I'm here at the Rugged Mountain Reservoir, which supplies water for the city of Charlottesville and replaces the old reservoir out at Sugar Hollow. Both of those locations were chosen because of the natural woodlands, the slopes, the ridges that drain water into a catchment area, and those wood... Oh. All right, I'll just go on. Hi, my name is Tony Russell. I'm here at the Rugged Mountain Reservoir, which supplies water for the city of Charlottesville. You can't see this enough. And replaces the old reservoir out at Sugar Hollow. Both of those locations were chosen because of the natural woodlands, the slopes, the ridges that drain water into a catchment area, and those woodlands act as a powerful natural filtration system that purifies the water, millions of gallons of water that would be uh, tremendously difficult to purify and very expensive to purify if we had to treat every drop uh, bit by bit to remove all the impurities and uh, bacteria and poisons. Uh, but that's, that's the natural backdrop in a limited location. The larger backdrop for our planet is that water's, water supplies are under an enormous pressure. Uh, climate change is drying up soils worldwide. Uh, humans are drawing off enormous amounts of water for not just drinking, but for agriculture and industry. When I was born, the world's population was about two and a half billion. Just in my lifetime, that population has tripled and it's growing exponentially, so water demand is shooting up. When I was born, the uh, CO2 levels in the atmosphere were at about 280 parts per million. Now they're about 410 parts, uh, uh, 48, 49% increase. So uh, 
everywhere we look, whether we're aware of it or not, water is under threat. Uh, and we're fortunate that people in this area have had the foresight to, to create a long-range plan for supply and quality drinking water for the people of this community. He said you're fortunate that you should give all glory, loud, and honor every time you as a people receive fresh life-giving drinking water. Uh, we don't. God's people are a people who we've come to worship and we give glory a lot. We're good at it. You guys are good at it. There's a whole world of people out there who don't regularly give glory, laud, and honor for what God has done for them in Jesus Christ and how grace came into the world. And so uh, Christians throughout the centuries have come up with all of these ways to help us be appreciative, to help us give glory to God. Um, uh, beautiful artwork that we put up on the walls, or if you've been to a Catholic church, you know they have a, a crucifix up there with a guy who's bloody and wounded and hanging on it, right? And these are beautiful works of art. Why are those up there? Anybody use a Brita filter or something? And raise your hand. I need some help. All right. Or any kind of filter. Okay. Have you ever looked at a used filter? How would you like, instead of a nice mural or, or a crucifix on your wall, just have a used, dirty filter on your wall? Because that is what the images of Jesus Christ and the crucifixion and the cross is all about. It's saying, look at what has been done for you that you could not do by yourself. By ourselves, we become polluted. By ourselves, we are bent. We are broken. And yet God and Jesus Christ, on this Holy Week, took all these people who came out and transformed us and redeemed us and made us whole and gave us this living water by the work of of God and Jesus Christ. He endured sin. He endured brokenness. He absorbed the pain, the betrayal, the doubt, the denial. He filtered out the suffering and the injustice, even death caught on that cross. That Brita filter that God used in Jesus Christ to redeem this world. And so that's why we give glory, laud, and honor. Because we understand what that means for us, not only as individuals, but the whole world. All of creation. One thing that Christians have got to be better out and recognizably different than the rest of the world is the reason that we need to take care of our water is not because we're afraid it's not going to be there for us. We are not motivated by fear. We are not motivated by guilt. We are motivated by joy, by celebrating what God has done. We are motivated by our lack of fear. But instead, if you're going to do something in your life to be about the work of God in this world, let it be motivated by thanksgiving. You are grateful for what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Therefore, you don't use styrofoam. 
Therefore, you feed the hungry. Therefore, you do the work of Jesus in the world not out of guilt and not out of fear, but with joy and thanksgiving for what God has done for you, for us, for all of creation in Jesus Christ. We are not motivated by anxiety. We, we, we are motivated by the waters of grace that we celebrate in the church in, in baptism. Let's pray. God, it is hard to fathom, and we, like the people in Jerusalem, rarely understand it all. But we come to you this day with glory and laud and honor for what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. And we pray as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.